Welcome back to Cloud Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by Engage for Good and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com and selfishgiving.com. Now, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, it's Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another exciting episode of Cause Talk Radio. On the line with me, of course, is Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hey. Megan, we have a true superstar on today. We have a Canadian celebrity on oh, today. We have a celebrity. And, and you know what's interesting about this guy, too, is he talks about something that is actually like more valuable and interesting to talk about than cause marketing. Like If I could go back 10 years and maybe talk about something a little bit different, I would talk what this guy's talking about because it's what everyone's thinking about, and that's why we have him on the show. With us right now, Megan is Chris Bayless and he is president and CEO of the Sponsorship Collective and we're talking about all things sponsorship today. Hey Chris, what's happening? Oh man, I'm super excited to be here. Chris, get this, right? In in January, you know, every January I try to do a little survey of my readers, find out what they're interested in learning in the new year and stuff like that. So I have all these different things that I, all these cost marketing things that, uh, you know, that they want to learn about and I ask them about and stuff like that. And then I happen to put in on the survey, like, would you be interested in learning more about sponsorship? The second thing they chose, number two on the list, was sponsorship. Do you believe it? Did they say from Chris Bayless? Though? They don't have to say Chris Bayless. We all know. <laughs> one person wrote in there. One person wrote in there. I wish you were Chris Bayless. No. <laughs> it, yeah, that was he me. He does have more yeah. hair than you. I, 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 I took <laughs> the survey and, and that was me. I wrote <laughs> Good idea, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, it's interesting, Chris. When we talk about cause marketing sponsorship, cause marketing is relevant to a lot of organizations, but sponsorship is, like, relevant to almost every organization. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think makes it so powerful. Could you start off by telling us, first of all, how the heck did you learn about sponsorship and what is the Sponsorship Collective all about? Happy to. Yeah, so I actually used to be a sponsor uh, way back in the day, only we didn't call me a sponsor then. I, I was a head of sales. I did uh, business to business sales and I had a sponsorship budget uh, ultimately designed to to drive in more leads and more sales. And so after a number of years of being a sponsor, I had the great idea that I was going to make the move over to the cause sector. And, uh, you know, I was going to follow my heart and help help people raise or help organizations raise money. And uh, so I made the move and I started selling sponsorship on behalf of causes. Uh, I did that for a bunch of years. And uh, and then after that, I did what any good fundraiser would do. I became a consultant. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then after a number of years of being a consultant, I uh, I had the maybe foolish idea that I was going to launch my own my own business, my hang my own shingle. And I did that uh, about three and a half years ago with the Sponsorship Collective. And it we just taken off like a rocket. Uh, and it's been an absolutely fascinating ride. So who's who's your typical client and what 
what do you do for them? Yeah, so we, so you know, Joe did a great job in the intro making the work that we do sound super glamorous and exciting. But, but to be honest, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. yeah. Uh, I I happen to love it, but I think it's far more uh, apropos. I'll say to call us a, a sponsorship geeks because the work we do, we work with charities. Uh, predominantly, we work with charity with cause, not for profits, uh, charities, associations. Uh, as well as brands to help them engage cause. But mostly we make our home in the cause sponsorship space. And our focus is very uh, intensely on the valuation space, which is ultimately figuring out what the heck you should be charging for your sponsorship opportunities. And so when I started doing this, this was the, the biggest challenge I would say that I experienced both as a sponsor and as a sponsorship seeker. But as we started to get deeper into the valuation space, we started to find all of this really interesting nuance and complexity within the cause sponsorship world relating to audience segmentation, audience niches or niches, uh, as as they say in the South. Uh, and it just sort of blossomed and grew from there. And, and, uh, and it's been a fascinating ride to see just how um, really how complex and detailed the cause sponsorship space is. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, we make great big spreadsheets for people, uh, but we love it. And you're like, this is how much you are worth on our spreadsheet. Ask this. Yeah, amount. your value as a charity boils down to line 172. <laughs> Joe, we should have Chris do your valuation. <laughs> oh, what about, an, what about a valuation for the show? You know, I mean, you know, but then we'd have to be paying people probably. Yeah. He'd be I, like, I ah, gotta pay people to come on the show, Joe. And I'm look, sorry, I think you know, it's like a reverse sponsorship. Listen, if if you want me to go through evaluation with you guys, uh, I will be charging you an absolute premium for that work. I think you're <laughs> I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. Thank you for that generous offer. So anytime. Spanless. You know, it's interesting though. That's like the one of the biggest questions I get from people though, Chris, and that's why I send so many people your way yeah. too, or I mention your site, because I think you know, valuation is something that, that people find really confusing yeah. in terms of of like how much they should be charged. Yeah, it is it's, confusing. So it's confusing. I think it's intimidating. And I, 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 you know, I think that, so I'm a consultant, therefore I feel like I can say this, uh, but I think consultants are making it more scarier than it is and more complex than it is and kind of feeding into that sort of fear, I suppose, or, or at least confusion. But ultimately the question you want to ask yourself when doing evaluation is, what would my sponsor pay for the exact same impact, uh, exposure, awareness, um, uh, for the number of leads that I can provide them? What would what would that sponsor pay without me, w without you as the organization? And so when you take that approach, mm -hmm. then you can go and look to see what sponsors are paying to run social media ads. And that, that data is actually really easy to get. How much it costs them to put samples uh, in the hands of their target market. So when you boil it down to this question, what would my sponsor pay uh, in their normal marketing spend, uh, it's still somewhat daunting, but it's, it isn't that there's this secret list of values somewhere that only the consultants have. It's actually a process and really anyone can learn it. Let me, let me ask you this because I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding. So isn't it also valuable to do your own valuation as a nonprofit for cause marketing campaigns as well? Like what's the difference between sponsorship and cause marketing when it comes to valuation? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because Joe and I have talked a bit about this and we, and we, um, uh, and I actually did a guest post about how sponsorship saved the day from a cause marketing campaign that I was working on. Yeah. And so, so the cause marketing campaign that we worked on was a like point of purchase. You, you buy, um, uh, you, you buy a bag of coffee beans and a X dollars goes back to the charity. Turns out 
we sold almost no coffee. Uh, it was a complete and utter disaster, I think, from a cause marketing perspective. We misread all the obvious signs. But we engaged sponsors to uh, to actually build out interesting activations where we got the community involved in coffee tasting. They didn't buy the coffee because maybe it wasn't very good coffee, but they did come to our coffee tasting. Uh, they they did actually engage with us in, 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 in interesting ways, which I think ultimately is the goal of any good cause marketing. But because we valued the sponsorship assets, we were able to charge sponsors for those types of activities, even though the actual kind of traditional trigger didn't pay off for us. And so I think in the when we're engaging in cause marketing, if you're only valuing that dollar or two dollars that goes back to the charity, especially as a charity, for only valuing that, uh, you're missing out. Every time you do an e-blast, every time you talk about your sponsor or sorry, your your cause marketing partner, those things have real hard values in the marketplace. And so so you can use a sponsorship valuation, sponsorship style valuation to figure out what that minimum threshold is that a partner pays, no matter how many products they sell or or, or pinups they sell. So, you know, on the sponsorship side, you're really focused on those transactional transactional marketing assets that appear in typical marketing, uh, like social media, like physical media, push marketing, et cetera. Uh, so anyway, it's a, it can certainly be added to cause marketing to help you determine what those minimum thresholds are to be charging your, your, your partners. You know what I think is interesting, Megan and Chris, is since the beginning of the year too, because this has been a focus for us, because I told you that you sponsorship was number two on my list. Number one was measurement and impact. And it's interesting that so much of what you're saying, Chris, goes back to that, right? In the sense like, you know, how do you measure measure something like this. And it's interesting that, that all the people that we've talked to this year, from Chris Bayless today to Chris Mann at City Year, Megan, we've talked about very similar themes along that. Like, how do you measure the success, the impact, the valuation of something like that? Well, you know, it's interesting, and I think maybe often forgotten, uh, that cause sponsorship really sits inside the cause marketing world, right? We are a child of cause marketing as sponsorship folks. So there, there is rightly and should be lots of, lots and lots of crossover. Uh, but at the end of the day, really the goal of your partner, uh, whether it's cause marketing proper or sponsorship proper, uh, their goal is customers or maybe employee engagement or, or whatever their strategy is. And that partner knows what they typically pay to acquire a new customer. And so you can find that out uh, and then apply that to your valuation. So you can say to a sponsor, we know you're spending this much on a new customer acquisition or an email um, acquisition. You do it through us, you're going to get better leads maybe uh, or or more leads and we're charging this much. Let's talk just a little bit more broadly. I mean, it can include valuation, but Chris, what what do you would say are the most common mistakes that you see causes making when they're approaching sponsors? I'm sure you see. I'm sure you yeah. see it all. <laughs> uh, so in this, in in the case of cause sponsorship in particular, uh, this may be true for all disciplines, but without question, in the sponsorship space, uh, the biggest mistake causes make is focusing on the cause. I see, I see pitch decks with five, six, 20 pages talking about how great the cause is, the mission, vision, right? Cute puppies, all that stuff. <laughs> well, hey, the cute puppies, cute puppies actually work. You know, Chris, I always say, 
you will never meet someone more selfish than a nonprofit. Yeah, practitioner. I I think that's a that is a really well put because <laughs> that's all they do is talk they about do, themselves, yeah. right? I mean, it's all yeah. about them. And and I often say, Chris, and I'm glad you said something about this because I often feel like if you go in and actually just give that business a little bit of their t- the, uh, of attention and show that you know something about their business and how this opportunity is relevant to them, you're gonna blow your out of competition the out of yeah. the water because no one else Absolutely. is talking like that. In fact, in fact, uh, one of the one of the early in my in my career, uh, we closed a two and a half million dollar partner, um, uh, and in the meeting, my boss and I, I have to give my boss uh, Trevor credit for this one. He's, he's a brilliant sales salesman, and I learned a lot from him. Uh, the the prospect said to Trevor and I, "We're going to give you a million bucks. What is the first thing you're going to do?" And Trevor said, "Nothing." We're going to put that million dollars in the desk and I'm going to come right back to you to figure out what your goals are, whether or not I can help you achieve them. It's not about the cause. It's about whether or not we can help you achieve your goals. And they then pulled out like a 48 page uh, marketing deck where they had outlined everything they wanted to do. They didn't actually care what we thought they needed. They know exactly what they need. They wanted a partner who would listen to them. And these two uh, handsomely dressed individuals won the day with nothing in our hands but but our wits and our smiles and we beat out some major major charities uh, and at the time we were actually quite a small organization and it was with nothing that we did this so you will without question blow your competition away if you just go in and ask questions instead of sharing information what other mistakes do you see Chris so I think that cause focused is Without question, the biggest mistake. I think the next mistake that I see on the on the cause side, in particular, is this. I'm not sure it, it if it's subtle or or overt. Maybe it's a sliding scale, but this belief that there's something dirty or inappropriate about working with a corporate partner. So we work with Canadians and Americans uh, as our clients. I will admit that this is rampant in Canada, but it's still there in the U.S. Who I think are probably more comfortable with with working with corporations, certainly than Canadians. Uh, but but there's this subtle underlying thing like, oh, we'll put your logo on our website, but we won't add a link because that might look like an endorsement. And if if you're worried about working with a corporate partner, if if you're worried that it looks like an endorsement. Uh, which in fact it certainly does, whether you put a link or not, then maybe cause marketing or cause sponsorship either isn't right for you. Maybe that partner is not right for you, or maybe you have to change the way you think about how you're achieving your mission by working with corporations. But you know, cause heavy uh, and sort of this discomfort with not wanting company let companies get too close to your audience. Uh, those things are really strike one and strike two and really strike three uh, uh, for the the cause sponsorship seeker. You know, uh, along those lines, Chris, I was curious, do you take your clients through the legal process? I mean, because, you know, what we know here in the States is that a lot of times it varies by state. And I imagine it's different in Canada than it is in the United States. But is that something you guide your clients to depending on where they are? Yeah. So the the complexity, especially in the sponsorship space, um, uh, things around naming rights, things about uh, tax receding, it can be very, very complex. Every province here has its own laws. Every state uh, where you guys are have their own laws. And so, so while we are happy to geek out on all of the sponsorship stuff, 
Uh, I have a group of equally geeky lawyers that I like to send people to for those types of issues. Because <laughs> uh, it can be certainly building your, your policies, your gift acceptance policies, but also your naming rights and things like using your logo on a, on a company's product. Uh, you have to protect yourself in case that product injures or, or you know, kills somebody. You, you want to make sure that you're, that you're well protected. And the trick is to, isn't to avoid those relationships. It's to have a really well-written contract to, uh, to protect both parties. Let's flip the equation around a little bit. You also work with brands and obviously you're working with brands and you work with nonprofit organizations. But what would you say are the most common mistakes that you see brands making when they're trying to work with nonprofit partners? There's, yeah, that's it's interesting what's happening on the brand side. So we've, we've actually started to work, do more work with, with Australians. And in Australia, the brands, sorry guys, the brands are way behind the times. They don't know what to do with, with, with cause. <laughs> but so it, it's very interesting. The causes are so sharp there. Uh, but the brands are lagging so, so far behind, uh, which is the complete, well, maybe not the complete opposite, but it's not like that in, in a North American context. And so, right. so we see this great divide where there are companies who are geniuses in using the charitable sector to drive their, their brand messaging. And then there's everybody else who, and, and that everybody else, they're they're quick to dismiss causes, right? Sending them automatically to the foundation, um, which further reinforces that incorrect and misleading view that cause is only about gifts or receiving gifts or philanthropy. And so I think there are brands that, many brands that are missing what cause brings, which is a premium access point to highly engaged audience segments. No one can do that like cause can do it. Uh, and so brands being dismissive, sending cause to the online form, uh, it's, it's actually really insulting, but also you're, you're missing such an opportunity to, to build a partnership. So really, it's just the Australian brands that are making mistakes. Everyone else is perfect. Sorry, Australia. <laughs> uh, I'm heading there next year to, to help fix that problem. But uh, nice. yeah, well, listen, I go to Australia. There's, there's room for many. Yeah. Awesome. Let's do it, Joe. Cause Talk what? Radio on the yeah. road. That's right. We got yeah. to do a remote yeah, show. Because you can't do podcasts from just anywhere. You have to be on site in Australia. (laughs) What do you, you've already kind of hinted at it, but what do you think of the traditional sponsorship package? I get a lot of questions from people too. Like, how much material do I have to bring? Like, you know, what do I need to include? You know, and I have the same kind of feeling too. Like, look, you don't need a 40 page PowerPoint deck here. You know, when you, especially for that initial conversation, you know, I mean, it's nice to have something, you know, that would guide people. And a lot of times I tell people, Chris, like bring something that that person can understand easily enough that they could explain it to someone else in the organization. Because ultimately someone else is probably going to have to make that decision and you may not be That's in the right. room. Yeah. So I take a pretty, um, uh, <laughs> pretty strong stance against the sponsorship proposal. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the the pitch deck, the the you know one one deck to rule them all, uh, where you're attempting to guess at what every single sponsor would want from you in your gold, silver, bronze you know categories. I think <laughs> I think the sponsorship <laughs> deck has done more harm than good uh, in that people are using it as a crutch. Uh, or they're using it as the reason that they haven't reached out to sponsors, right? Because they're they're pouring over page 17 of their pitch deck, what, sending it back to committee, having all these discussions. So, so my approach with the sponsorship pitch deck is to discard it completely until you've had at least one good discovery meeting 
with your prospect where you get to know what they're interested in. Otherwise, you're, you're left to guessing at what you think they're interested in. Uh, but I would agree with you, Joe, that, you know, if, if you must, uh, I, I can't tell you how many times when I was selling sponsorship, I'm about to walk out the door and my CEO or my boss says to me, where the heck's all your stuff? Because I'm, I have nothing, right? Um, if, if you must bring something, then I'm in favor of a document that really hits heavy on who your audience is, who your audience seg- segments are for exactly that reason, right? That person you're meeting with will then become your internal champion, but they're not going to feel comfortable championing something that that offers a, a bunch of assumptions and assets they're not interested in. But if you can prove to that individual you have their target market, then it's really easy for them to internally convince the decision maker that you should come back and do a real pitch. And you know what I love there too, Chris, is one of the things you're emphasizing in research too, and I bet uh, Megan and Chris, you both have seen this from nonprofits too, is yes, you need to research the partner that you're going to visit. But in a lot of instances too, I don't think nonprofits research enough their own events so they know enough about that audience, Chris, that they can go to um, a business and say, look, this is how specific our audience is. And you know, I get this all the time from people just a couple of weeks ago, Chris. I got a call from someone at like a, you know, like a human rights organization and they were talking about how to get sponsorship. And I said, and they were worried because they were human rights and they didn't feel like that was a natural fit or a good fit for a lot of companies. And my message to her was don't sell your mission, sell your audience. And and it's like, you really need to know your audience. And, And do you see that really lacking a lot with nonprofits? Big time. I think, I think that there's, there's, I think the advice that you should find a company that has mission alignment with you, um, I think either has been taken too far or has been misinterpreted uh, because a company's mission w- will actually never really align with a with a cause. Um, a company's mission is to is to bring in revenue and and give to its shareholders. Uh, so looking for that kind of a mission, mission alignment doesn't actually make sense. But if a company is trying to better the lives of 40 year old high net worth moms who live in the suburbs, have three kids uh, and prefer Lexus over BMW, if that's who they're trying to market to, and that's who cares about your human rights organization, then actually you have perfect alignment. And so you know, the way to think about it is you use your cause to bring in a particular audience, and then you use that audience to bring in a particular corporate partner. Uh, when you try to leapfrog from cause directly to corporate partner, you're you're not even speaking the same language. I want to go back to the sponsorship package a little bit. You said not bringing a sponsorship package in your first, meet- first meeting, which makes sense. But you know, gold, silver, bronze levels seems a little dated even to me, and I don't, I don't do cost sponsorship. So, um, wh- what is an ideal sponsorship package once you have done the first meeting and you've done your due diligence and you've gathered the information about what those business objectives are? How how are you then positioning the cause as it relates to sponsorship that's not gold, silver, bronze? Yeah. So the trick is the key is to prove how inserting your organization, your your cause into the equation makes for either better ROI or better experience or an audience who are more uh, more likely to accept the messaging of the sponsor of the corporate partner. So the way that I build the package uh, really hinges entirely on how well uh, I I conducted the first meeting. I want to know who their ideal customer is, the actions that customer takes right before making a purchase, uh, examples of sponsorship that my prospect thought went badly, examples that they thought went really well, 
things they wish they could do, but, but they haven't yet done. And I take all of that information and I bring it back to, uh, to my team, to my property, to my opportunity. And I say, what things that we do now can give this corporate partner more of what they told me they want or take away problems that they're currently having. And if we don't have something, then I ask, what can we create that will actually solve a problem for this corporate partner or help them get more customers? And so good packages are built on good uh, initial meetings. And each package that I work on, uh, that I used to work on uh, when I was selling, were focused entirely on those things that my partner told me. And it's all about connecting their target audience to my target audience and being able to prove that I can influence buying decision influence behavior and influence uh, the minds of the people in my database, my audience as a cause. Hey, Chris, tell us a little bit about and tell our listeners too about the uh, the virtual conference that's coming up on April 19th that you and I are teaming up on a little bit. Yeah. So basically, uh, over, over the years, you know, I alluded to this at the beginning, uh, the Sponsorship Collective is just exploded in terms of our traffic and people engaging with us. And it's been incredibly exciting, totally unexpected. And what I noticed really early on is that traffic is coming from everywhere. Web traffic, it's Canadian, it's a, it's US, Western Europe and Australia in particular. And obviously there's a problem of geography in there. And, uh, and so I developed this idea of a virtual conference where we spend a day together live going deep, deep, deep into cause sponsorship. It doesn't matter where you live. You don't have to travel, no fluff, just pure content uh, going deep into prospecting, proposals if you must make them, audience data, valuation and activation. Uh, We spend the day together broken up into 45-minute sessions, lots of breaks. Everyone gets a recording. uh, And then we meet again at the end of the day uh, and spend an hour going deep uh, into a, a group coaching call ultimately. So we spend a lot of time together and really kind of unpack this idea of cause sponsorship. Yeah. And you know what I think is so good about that too is when I was thinking about this, Chris, after I got the results back from my survey in January about what people were interested in, I didn't feel like I knew enough about sponsorship. I've done some sponsorship, but I didn't feel like I knew enough about it to really put something out there. And that's why I was so happy to reach out to you and find that you had something uh, coming up that people could take advantage of. And folks, I just can't say enough just how much uh, Chris knows about this, what an expert he is. Uh, The course isn't free. We should mention that, Chris, right? But uh, it's also really important to mention that this may be the last course you take on sponsorship because it really is comprehensive. Yeah, we go we go deep. uh, And we also um, we actually provide templates for everything we talk about, including um, we, we have a special offer for cause talk radio folks. But but uh, part of that is actually three valuation calculators designed with three specific audiences in mind uh, so that ultimately you show up uh, on April 19th and at the end of the day, you're ready to do evaluation. You're ready to go through good discovery calls with your prospects and uh, and build a proposal that actually works. So it is it is meant to be comprehensive and intense. And, uh, and I, I wish this was around... 15 years ago when I started doing this stuff. I know. No kidding, huh? How much easier it is. (laughs) Awesome. Chris, where can people find out about that Cause Talk Radio offer and how can they find you online? 
Yeah. So, you know, my, I think my website's in the show notes, but the, the best, the best place to find me, sponsorshipcollective.com. Uh, I'll send, uh, you guys a link directly to a cause talk radio special landing page, uh, for the virtual conference. And, uh, and I am very, very active on Twitter at CP Bayless. So, uh, connect with me there and, uh, you will be hit with a barrage of useful content. I promise. <laughs> you know, uh, Chris, I actually went, uh, looking for your Twitter. Um, uh, even though I see you on Twitter all the time, I didn't know what your Twitter handle was. So I actually looked at the Chris Bayless and there's some guy who has an avatar <laughs> picture of Paddington bear. And I thought that was very appropriate because you are a <laughs> I very young man with your beard yeah. and your bushy eyebrows and stuff like that. So I said, gee, it really kind of still is Chris, even though he doesn't have um, this handle. Listen, it's it's cold up here. I The beard is not a fashion statement. <laughs> it is it is require, a requirement to live in Ottawa, Canada. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. I bet. Joe, where can people find you online if they want to do that? Uh, people can find me first at SelfishGiving.com. Make sure to drop by, sign up for my newsletter. It goes out every Wednesday morning. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Waters. Uh, what about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand. And I tweet for Engage for Good at Engage for Good, which is also where you can find show notes for today's episode, EngageForGood.com, as well as SelfishGiving.com. And also check us out in Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember to subscribe to Cause Talk Radio so that you do not miss an episode. And on behalf of Chris and Joe and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. And we'll talk to you next time. 